Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Thank God for his word. Hallelujah. You can build your life on this word. I've been working at it now for about 35 years, building my life on his word. You know, you can build a successful prayer life on his word. You know that, you know, you can't always succeed if you build your prayer life on sheer determination and willpower. You know what? You build it on the word, though, he'll put you over. He'll put you over. Sometimes people have had the idea that I'm going to get what I want from heaven just because, bless God, I'm going after it. Now, you know what? You need to have a bulldog attitude going after God, going after his word, going after his plan for your life. But I'm telling you why you need to base it on God's word. You got to stand on his word. You can't just when the winds of life come, you say, well, I'm just determined. Well, be determined, but be determined based on his word. Have a foundation under your feet to stand on when things things are going haywire out there. Well, we've been doing uh, some teaching on faith since the beginning of the year. I'd like to think that every week we teach about faith. You know, sometimes we title it faith, sometimes we title it other things. But there's always faith kind of woven through it. And, and, but we've been titling these messages about faith since January here. And, and uh, we're going to continue this morning. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6, I want to just start off again reading this portion of Scripture. Hallelujah. Faith is a fight. You know, faith isn't always pretty. Frankly, I don't always want to act in faith. Can I be honest with you? Oh, pastor, you don't always want to. No, I got flesh just like you do. Okay? Sometimes it's not the easiest thing to stand up when you're in the midst of a battle. Sometimes it'd be easier to lay down and let the things of life just blow over you. All right, I know this is going to get a lot of amens as we go. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But in Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul is talking here in verse 10, and I'm going to read this out of Philip, so forgive me if I'm a little different than the translation you're holding. But J.B. Phillips says it like this in verse 10. He said, in conclusion, be strong, not in yourselves, but in the Lord, in the power of his boundless resource. Put on God's complete armor so that you can successfully resist all the devil's methods of attack. For as I expect you've learned by now, our fight is not against any physical enemy. It's against organizations and powers that are spiritual. We're up against the unseen power that controls this dark world. Spiritual agents from the very headquarters of evil. Therefore, you must wear the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist evil in its day of power. And that even when you fought to a standstill, you can still stand your ground. So one of the things about faith, you know, for it to be successful that we've got to get a hold of and master in our lives is this whole thing about standing, this whole thing about being firmly rooted. I was thinking this morning, I almost during the offering was going to go with Psalm 1, but Psalm 23 was pretty cool too. But Psalm 1 talks about the Christian, talks about a believer, and it says that, that you're like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose roots are going down deep and drawing up nourishment, and they're unshakable. They're not going to be moved by the things that are going on in the earth. 
I think that, that, that that's something that's just in me that I want to see in this church, in this body, is that we're unmovable. That doesn't mean that we're, we're so stubborn that we don't ever change. What it means is that the change that happens in us is the change that God is bringing in our lives. It's not the change that's blowing around in the world, you know. We're not just doing every new trend or whatever, but I'm telling you what, we're flowing with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We're not moved by, by, by chaos. Yeah. No, we're moved by Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the kind of stability that I'm going after. Glory to God. Anybody on the boat here? Yeah. Hallelujah. All right. So we're, we're, we're living in this earth. And we're going to walk in these things that God has for us. And to do that, it's going to take a fight. It's going to take the fight of faith. You know, if, if you have the mentality that, well, bless God, if he wants it for me, then I'll have it. Well, you know, I appreciate your, your, your kindness and everything, but life doesn't work like that. Oh, oh, are you going to just step on toes today, Pastor? Well, maybe if I do, I love you. But, but, uh, but here's the deal. Everything that happens in life is not necessarily God's will and plan for you. All right, I'm going to start over here and say it again. Everything that happens in life, everything that happens in this world is not necessarily the will and plan of God for you or for this world. To me, that's like a huge relief. Because I see things in this world that, that I don't want to associate with my Heavenly Father. I don't know where this kind of heresy crept in. That, you know, anything, everything is God's will. Everything is God's will. I'm telling you what, you know, if, if, if somebody got ran over by a truck today, well, it was the will of the Lord. And that was not the will of the Lord. Did you hear me? That is not, the Bible doesn't teach that. You'd have to go outside of the Bible to have a, a doctrine like that. You can't have that. You can't have that and be stable. I see people just crushed in life because bad things have happened and they've tagged God onto those bad things and said that was the will of God. And what happens is, is at first it seems so innocent. It seems like, Oh, oh, well that, you know, bless, bless their heart. But I'm telling you what, that stuff will gobble a person up. It'll ruin lives. It'll, it'll cause, cause people to crash and burn if you hold on to that kind of thinking. God's will, you know, I tell you what, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden, that was not the will of God. God had a plan, I tell you, man, it was cool. I love to go back to Genesis. You guys know that. But back in the beginning, you look in them first few chapters of Genesis, like right up to 3, 6, I'm telling you what, it was a paradise. That was the will of God. When Adam and Eve ate that fruit, that was not his will. But immediately, God didn't fall off his throne, but he immediately he began to prophesy the redemption that was coming. He began to say, there's coming a seed that's going to crush the devil's head. And I'm telling you what, there's victory ahead for you. Yeah. But you know what? These things that God has for us, 
You know, you get saved, you become a new believer. For me, it was back in September of 77. I went forward at a crusade meeting and I gave my heart to God. I didn't know anything, but I'm telling you, immediately I became a new creature in Christ Jesus. I didn't even know that terminology back then. I just thought, well, God, I walked away. This is what I walked away with. God loves me. God loves me. I ran into some friends that night at the 7-Eleven store and got in the car and went for a drive with them. And, you know, I didn't just blurt everything out right away. But, but as the drive went on and, 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 and they, they kind of were quizzing me on what I was doing tonight, and I said, man, I don't know what to tell you except God loves me. That was enough to stop the car right there. That was enough to say, eh, what's going on? This guy's freaked out. He must be on something, you know? They found a place to dispose of me as quickly as they could. It's funny, though. I mean, you know, over the years, you know, almost all of my old friends have come to be Christians, which I just, I just rejoice over. It was the furthest thing from my thinking back then. I thought, I am the lone ranger in this thing. That's how you think. That's how I thought. I thought, man, no, boy, my friends, they're too far gone. In fact, God had prepped me. Did he prep you? Or were you taken by surprise when you got born again? But for, for months, I contemplated this whole Christian thing. Because I'd heard enough, you know. Most people just don't get saved, bam, the first time they hear it. Maybe some do. Cornelius' house, bam, first time they heard it. Well, heaven came down and glory filled their soul. But for me, I don't know. I was a thinker. Maybe you can get in trouble thinking too much. But, but I, I was a thinker, and I thought about getting saved for months. And I, I, I remember thinking this, you know, and I know God probably showed me some things. He said, you know what? When you walk into this thing, you know, you probably lose your friends. Ouch. You know what? I got to the point where I said, I, I don't care what happens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. I just said, hey, I'm going 100%. If God is real, this is my little thinking in my little brain. I thought if God is real, I want everything he has, and I don't care what it takes. I'm going for it. So when I went forward that night at that crusade meeting in, in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, you know, I had the mentality, bam, this is it. New life is beginning now. And I went, I went up there and, and, and I asked Jesus into my heart. And, and uh, things, have, things have been different since that day. Things have been different. This is dangerous. I am nowhere near what I was going to talk about. <laughs> Dana's not in here. Dana's not in here. She won't say. She never does. She encourages me. But... But, you know, uh, um, since that day, you know, I, I remember, you know, uh, I, I was excited about God and didn't know anything like most of us, you know. And, but, but, you know, I began to see some things. I began to read some things. I remember my sister and her, her husband, my, my brother-in-law, sent me those books of Brother Hagen and David Ingalls' eight track. And I remember reading those books and saying, in my heart, I just said, this is the truth. This is the truth. You know, the authority of the believer. I, I said, my goodness, this is the truth. And, and one of the things I saw is that, that the blessings of God, even though they've been bought and paid for, if I'm going to enjoy them, I've got to go after them. That's good. I've got to lay hold on them by faith, and I've got to act like they're mine, even if it doesn't look like they're mine. Even if my mind is going... What, 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 what's faith, faith, what, what are you talking about? Does your mind ever give you trouble? I, I doesn't, am I the only one that has a mind that can give me trouble? 
You see, you see, what we need to do is we need to bring our minds and make them think like our hearts. We need to make our minds start thinking like heaven. We need to make our minds start thinking like this book, like God's word. Now, I'm not talking about King James. I'm not saying everywhere you go, you should, thou, thou, thou mayest proceed. You know, you know, you don't need to get weird, talk funny. Be you, but line up with what God says. Line up with what he says. Think like he thinks. Think like he says. Hallelujah. So in Ephesians 4.27 is, is, is another scripture I wanted to throw out there before we get into the teaching part. See, I, I look for grooves. You know, God's presence is everywhere all the time. Whether you feel him or whether you don't feel him, he's there. Well, sometimes I feel him more. Don't you think he's more there more when you feel him more? Well, no, he's always there, 100%, all the time, ready. Anything can happen at any moment. Here's the deal, though. Sometimes I yield to him better than other times. You get what I'm saying? Sometimes I, I walk in more of an awareness of his presence. You know? That would be a great practice for all of us, is to practice his presence. To begin to be master yielders. Master yielders. That means that, that we yield to his presence. We yield to his promptings. I'm telling you, the power of God is, is, is released in a person's life when we learn to yield to his presence. To yield to it. To yield to it. Well, it's always there. It's always there. It's like, like I was talking about... Uh, you could tell I watched Andy Griffith last night. <laughs> and the episode was the loaded goat, you know? And the goat came and he ate all this dynamite and they, they the whole show was like trying to protect the goat from exploding. But you know, my favorite character probably is Barney Fife, yeah. you know? Come on, be real. I mean, the guy is hilarious. And, and I usually don't watch it if Barney's not in all. I love Andy. But, but Barney walks into this shed when they're looking for the goat and and he he whips out a lighter i was thinking what does he do with a lighter i've never seen barney even smoke but somehow he had a lighter in his pocket and he whipped it out and he's looking around and you know those eyes get so big because he was in the presence of dynamite <laughs> sometimes you can be in the presence of dynamite but you didn't spark your lighter <laughs> you know? When he had that, he, he just, you know, Andy walks in and he's like, you know, all, blah, 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 you know, and he's trying to put the lighter out and everything. In fact, then, then they get the goat. You guys, well, you missed it. If you didn't see it, you missed it. So I'm telling you now. But then they get the goat into the jail and they're trying to protect him. And the mayor comes in and he's puffing on a cigar. Barney pulls the cigar out of his mouth, takes a fire extinguisher and goes, Pow! big puff of smoke everywhere. And the mayor's like, Hey! I'm telling you what, there's certain things when you bring them together, it can cause an explosion. The presence of God is everywhere. We ought to be as aware of that as Barney was, dynamite in a shed. You know, someone walks in, whoa, this place is packed, it's loaded with God. You know, and you start yielding to that, it's like flicking that lighter on, you know. The potential for anything is there. Anything can happen with that kind of combination. 
All right, where were we? Stephen, it's your job. Keep me on track. <laughs> Ephesians 4.27, it says this, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. You see, I'm telling you this morning that, that faith, you know, is a fight. Walking in faith means fighting the fight of faith. And these things, just, they're just, they don't always come the way you and I might have thought they were going to come. Following God doesn't always look like the picture I had in my head years ago or even last week. I'm telling you, though, that, that following God, even when it doesn't feel like anything, even when it seems like the things are going away from me instead of to me, I'm telling you what, there's this fight of faith thing that we can't just release our hold on what belongs to us. And, and Paul said, he says, neither give place to the devil. You got a couple versions. It says, leave no loophole for the devil. Don't give in one inch to the devil. Don't give the devil a chance. Leave no room for the devil. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Then the JWC1 version says, it's when we are in a sulky frame of mind that the devil has his greatest opportunities. So you say, hey, I want to walk in this faith stuff. I want to see the blessings of God in my life. I'm nice. Well, I'm glad you're nice. Being nice isn't enough, though. You've got to walk in faith. You've got to lay hold on these things. You can't release them. You've got to grab them even when the wind is blowing. You've got to hold on and walk with God. Don't give in. When, the, when you're in a sulky frame of mind, it says the devil has his greatest opportunities. James 4, 6 and 7, I'm going to read that. It says he gives more grace. He gives more grace. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? Hallelujah. We won't go all there today. But wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What I want to tell you is that no matter how hard the devil is knocking on your door, you have the power to put him on the run. Okay? No matter how big he seems, no matter how big the giants seem in your life, you and I have the power to put the devil on the run, to put the giants on the run. The Bible says this, that you, you and I, he's talking to you and I. You know, when Paul wrote this, or who was it? James. James wrote this. He didn't say that Jesus would resist the devil and the devil would flee. Did you notice that? I wish sometimes. But you know what? Jesus did the work. He says, you and I, you and I, we resist the devil and he flees. Now, you know, I, I, I used to think if Shambach resisted the devil, the devil would flee. Did you, does anybody know Shambach? Shambach went to heaven last year, but, but when I was a new Christian and I, I drove truck for, for Billy Graham in town, I'd listen to Christian radio all day long, you know, and there was this preacher and his name was R.W. Shambach. And I'm telling you, he was a preacher. He was not a teacher. He was a preacher. I mean, he was spitting cotton every time he preached. And he was entertaining. Uh, it was, did anybody ever hear him? He was entertaining, wasn't he? Yep. I was in his meeting one time. I almost had to go up for prayer because my sides hurt from laughing so hard. <laughs> he, was, he was wild. In fact, I was convinced this guy was black. And I went to a meeting down in Oklahoma City. I had gotten down to go to school at Rama. And I, I, I really, the night I arrived, or the next, it was the night after I arrived at Rama to, to, to you know, go to school. It was a Saturday, and, and Shambach was going to be in, in Oklahoma City. 
which was, I forget how far it is. It's over an hour drive, hour and a half or so. But we went to that, my roommate and I, we went to that meeting, and I was just shocked because here it comes out, that he's this Irish guy. But boy, he just, he could preach. What was I saying? Well, I wish, it, it said, sometimes I used to wish that it'd say, if Shambach resisted the devil, he'd flee. But you know what? You and I resist the devil, and he'll flee from us. Hallelujah. Mark eleven twenty three. We talked about this last week. Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Jesus said, All right, I'm coming up to where I'm going today. And I got time. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Jesus said this. He said this. That whoever shall save this mountain, be removed, cast the sea, and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he saith. Then in verse 24, it says, And what things soever you desire... When you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. So I'm going to say it to you like this, that, you know, this is, there's a lot of farming that goes on around here, and, you know, you guys can teach me plenty and have taught me plenty over the years of, of how farming goes about, but I, I've got the basics down. You put seed in the ground. You keep the seed in the ground. You water it. You know, the sun shines, the water comes, and, and, and you, you, you sleep at night, you rise by day, time goes by, and a harvest comes. I mean, in its simplest form, that's kind of how it works. Would you say, man, kind of? Well, anyway, anyway, hey, hey, hey. But, but, you know, here's the deal. Jesus said this, when you pray, believe you receive, and you shall have. The thing that, that I brought out last week is there can be a time gap from the time you believe you receive till the time Jesus said you'll have them. And it's kind of like planting the seed of God's word in your heart and seeing the harvest. Sometimes there is a time gap in between. And that time gap in between is what we do. We call fighting the fight of faith. And it's in that gap of time from when the seed gets in you till you release your faith and, 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 the time you receive, it's in that time where most people miss it. Most people, you know, sit down. Most people, you know, quit standing. Most people throw in the towel. I remember when Dane and I were first, you know, uh, married and we, you know, we were actually, we had a baby and Kara, Kara was, yeah, we had you. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and we were believing God for a house. And, 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 uh, you know, I knew we needed to, to, to get a house. We were living in a one-bedroom apartment, and I just knew it would be better if we could get a house. And, and, and uh, so I, I, I knew I had to pray and believe. You know, I didn't even pray for a good long time. It was weeks, probably months, before I even prayed. You know what I did? I got scriptures out. I got like five scriptures, and I put them on an index card, and I carried them with me everywhere, and I just I read them, and I got them on the inside of me. What I did is I planted the seed in my heart. There came a time when I finally did pray, and then I had to stand. Because just because I had the word in me and just because I prayed didn't mean that all of a sudden I had it in the natural. There was a time in between, and I had to stand. And you know what you do in that time in between? You go back to what you believed. You know, people will be well-meaning and ask you questions sometimes, you know, because you're, you're believing for something, and they know you're believing for something. Sometimes people will just walk up to you, and they'll say, hey, how's it going? How's that house thing going? That's a good question, isn't it? I mean, that's a caring heart. Somebody wanting to know. But you know what that can do? That can mess you up if you're not ready to give an answer. Sometimes that do. You know, I had a friend of mine. He's a pastor now. 
And he was believing too. One time he did that to me. He pulled out the question. He says, how's, how's it going? Finding a house. And I'm telling you, man, some of the houses we looked at were so depressing. You know, there are crack houses and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, ah, Lord. And, and this one guy, one guy says to me, this friend of mine says, how's it going? I just reached in my pocket and I pulled out my card and I read it to him. I said, I put it back. I said, that's how it's going. He says, I get it. There's a fight of faith. There's a fight of faith. There's a standing that takes place when you walk in faith. All right. So in Mark 4, you can turn there. I'm actually going to stick there for a little bit. In Mark 4, there's a classic example of, of this whole standing thing, of this whole embracing the things of God and holding on to them. You know, in, in Timothy, when, when Paul, you know, wrote to Timothy and, and, and talked about this fight of faith, he said, he used this kind of terminology. He says, lay hold, lay hold, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on the God kind of life. That's what we're talking about. Laying hold, laying hold on the blessings of God. You know, maybe for you this morning, it's laying hold on healing, you know, could that be it? It could be it. Maybe for you this morning is laying hold on, on, on freedom from fear. You know, maybe for you this morning, it's laying hold on God's provision. Maybe for you this morning, it's just laying hold on the peace of God. But we're talking about how to lay hold on it. We're talking about how to get these things and have them, have them produce in our life. We're talking about how to get from the point of planting seeds in the ground to the point of reaping the harvest. How many know that even when the harvest comes, how many know this, that, that it's work? Yeah. You talk to a farmer and you talk about harvest and they'll tell you this. I'll tell you one thing, it means it means work. That's a four-letter word, Pastor. What are you doing using that word? I'm telling you what, there's a fight. There's work. There's work. Jesus did the work, but we need to lay hold on it. Yeah, All right, Mark 4, 14. It says this. It says, the sower sows the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they've heard, Satan comes immediately, and he takes away the word that was sown in their heart. He said, Satan comes. When does he come? He comes. Well, a couple of you heard it. Some, Satan comes, he comes immediately. What is it? What happens? Well, you know, you're in a church service or something, or, you know, you're out on the street and, and you know, you know, someone comes up to, to talk to you about God or, you know, or, or maybe you're just sitting in your, your living room reading your daily devotional, Smith Wigglesworth, by the way, and you're reading about how he went to Belfast and, you know, got somebody healed and I'm telling you, you, you start to go, oh, man, you know. You have to put your coffee down because you're getting so excited, you know. You, you, you're hearing that word. You know, I said, Dana, Dana, come here, come here. Man, i got to tell you this, this story about how God moved in a person's life just like you and me. How he could do this. You know, and you get all excited. And, 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 and what happens? Well, the Bible, you know, kind of puts a bucket on this. He says, he says, he says uh, immediately, the devil comes to try to steal this from you. And these are just facts of life, guys. There's an enemy out there. And, and, and if we, we play an ostrich and put our head in the sand and just say, oh, there's no enemy out there. There's no devil. No, 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 no. And only God in heaven. No, no, no. I'll tell you what, we're going to get whooped. Okay? There, there, there'll be no winning that fight. 
Yeah, I mean, what, maybe, you know, if there was ever a, a fighting for dummies book, I don't know, maybe there is. You'd probably say this, that one of the first things is, if you're going to win a fight, you've got to realize you're in one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's getting deep. But, but he says, these are those who were sown on stony ground, and when they heard the word, immediately they received it with gladness. Uh, this is verse 16. And they had no root in themselves, so they endure but for a time. And afterwards, when affliction or persecution, persecution arise, arises for the word's sake, immediately they were offended. You know, uh, I remember a guy years ago, you know, 30 years ago. He's in heaven now, actually. And, and uh, I, I remember sharing some things with him, you know, about the word, about, about God. You know, I was so turned on, you know. I still am turned on. You know, what turns you on? You know, the word should turn you out. But I remember just, just, just seeing some things in, in early days of, of who God was and who he'd made me. I was so turned out, I was dangerous. I'd get around people and I'd just share with them, you know, things that you know, God was doing in my heart, things I was seeing. I'd always carry books on me. You know, I always had shirts with pockets up here because I'd carry little mini books with me. And I'd give them to people. And sometimes I'd carry big books and I'd give them to people. And, 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 and I love that, you know, it's just me and the guy at the bookstore, we were great friends. And, 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 and so I remember giving this book one time to this friend of mine, and it was uh, Brother Hagen's book on how to be led by the Spirit of God. Anybody ever read that book? It's a classic. It's a classic. It came out in hardcover. I bought it. I've got it on my Kindle. I've got it, you know, many, many different versions. But, but um, I remember I gave this to this one guy, and he got so turned on by that. He read the thing in one sitting. He, he, came, he got lit. He got lit. He was just excited about it. You know, he came out of the, out of the, the, the reading time and he was just, just like just ready to do cartwheels. So excited. So, you know, I could say it like this. He received it with gladness. He received it with gladness but immediately the devil came in and didn't have any root in there, so he endured for a little while, but afterwards when affliction, persecution arise for the word's sake, you know, he was crushed. He was crushed immediately, and they were offended. I, 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 was, I saw this guy, and I was just a baby, you know. I'd barely been saved, you know, a couple months or whatever, but, but, but I didn't know things back then. I wish I would have, you know. But, but I saw the guy just put his faith out on something, you know, or, or you know, tried to act in faith, and it didn't happen the way he thought it was going to happen, and it crushed the guy. Have you ever had a faith failure? Huh? I've had a few faith failures. Has anybody? You know, if, if you haven't, well, then try to walk in faith for a few weeks. Okay? <laughs> the thing is, 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 you know, here's what I'd say, too, is, is, is the things, the answers to prayer rarely have come the way I, I thought they were going to. You know, and rarely have they come in the timing that I thought they were going to come. And that's why it's so important that we learn to stand when they haven't arrived, you know, the way that we thought they were going to arrive. All right. So so it says here that they, 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 they got offended and the word got plucked out of the ground. It didn't work in their life anymore. Psalm 119, 165. You don't need to turn there, but you might want to jot it down. A direct quote from King James, it says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. 
That's Psalm 119, 165. It says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Now, just in case you didn't know, when you see this in the Old Testament, that they use the word law, sometimes they'll say the word law and the prophets, you know, but what they're just telling you that you could you could substitute this word and it wouldn't do any damage to the translation. You could say great peace have they which love your word, O God. See, they're, they're using the word law and they're referring back to the part of the Old Testament. The first five books are, are called the law and then it goes on. It calls uh, some poetry books, some history books, poetry books, prophet, prophets and things like that. But many times, even Jesus would talk about the law and the prophets. But he's referring to is the word of God. So this verse says, great peace have they that love the word. And nothing shall offend them. You know, can I tell you this? When we love the word, what we'll do is we just don't allow offense in our life. Why don't we want to allow offense in our life? Because offense is something the devil uses to steal the word and pluck it out of the ground that we've sown it in. Wow. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about how to have victory in your life. I'm talking about the nuts and bolts of how to have victory. You see, offense is a trap by the devil to get the word out of the soil of your heart. See, again, farming 101. Get seed, open package, put seed in ground. Keep seed in ground. Water, sunlight, water, sunlight. Sleep, get up, harvest comes. Okay? Farming 101. I, you think I should write a book? Maybe? Hey, Faith 101. Get seed. Open, open the seed. Here it is. Get seed in the soil of your heart. So the word is in your heart. Keep the seed in your heart. Well, how do you do that? Well, water it. Water. You get more in here. You water. You read it again. You water it. You get light. God brings the increase. Harvest. You sleep. You get up. You sleep. You get up. Harvest comes. But a key point is keeping that seed in the ground. And Jesus said this. One thing the devil will do to get the seed out of your ground. The devil is mean. He's cruel. He doesn't even like you. Sometimes, sometimes he'll, 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 he, you know, he appears like he would be a friend or something, but he is just nasty. His goal is get that seed out of the ground. Get it out of there. I'm going to stop them from, from seeing the produce, the, 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 the harvest of the word of God. I'm going to get the seed out of the ground. He's like this. I don't care how I'm going to do it. I'm going to get that seed out of the ground. First, Jesus said this. The seed is planted and immediately the devil comes to steal the seed. He isn't after you. He's after the word. He's after the word that's in your heart. I'm telling you, as a Christian, before things, don't be against them. Be for things, not against them. Be for people, not against people. Don't let your life and ministry take on a, 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 a destructive mode of 
correcting everybody and putting people down and telling everybody what they're doing wrong. Find things they're doing right and encourage that. Side note. So the devil comes to get the seed out of the ground. One of his primary tools, Jesus revealed this to us. Jesus like pulled back the curtain of this whole faith experience and he says, listen guys, here's how it is. That seed gets in your heart and the devil, one of the tools that he will use to get that seed out and keep you from being productive and fruitful as a Christian is he'll come and he'll try to get you offended. How will he do that? Well, he'll send people in your life to get you offended. You know what? He'll even, can I say this in church? He'll even send Christians. Oh, oh, oh. He'll send Christians into your life and he'll use them to get you offended. Here's the secret. Does anybody want to know the secret? Don't allow yourself to be offended. No matter what. No matter what. No matter how wrong a person was, you know. People can say really dumb things. How do you know, Pastor? Because I've been on that end. I've said really dumb things. You know, sometimes people cannot even be mean in their heart, but things that can come out of their mouth sometimes can be dumb. Sometimes people are innocent, and they'll say things, and when it comes out of their mouth, somewhere between your, their mouth and your ear, the devil got in there and went, and put a spin on it, and it came at you like a dart. You need to do this. You need to recognize that you're not fighting any person. You're not fighting any person. I don't care how dumb that person was. I don't care how rude that person was. I don't care if they burped in your face and just ate garlic. Doesn't matter. You forgive them. You forgive them. It's going to go somewhere up there. I wasn't going to stop. All right. Luke 17, 3, it says, Take heed to yourselves. This is Jesus again talking. There he is saying these wild things. He says, Take heed to yourselves. What do, you, what do you mean by that? He means listen up. Listen up here. He said, If your brother trespasses against you, now it could be your sister, but if anybody trespasses against you, rebuke him, and if you repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day, turn to thee again and say, I repent. He says, forgive him. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying, don't allow yourself to be offended in any way, shape, or form. Just, you know, have a love for the word of God that's so intense that you're not going to allow the tactics of the devil to stop that word from producing in your life. He says, if a brother, you know, that would be, how weird would that? Some guy comes up and just slugs you in the face. And then he says, I'm sorry. What do you do? You go, I forgive you. Then he turns around, he does it again. He does that seven times. I'm telling you what, that stuff happens in grade school. You remember that stuff happened in grade school? I'd go get my big friend John Riley. He'd come, bam, bam. Oh, anyway, but, but, you know, Jesus had other other things. He said this. He said, uh, he said, forgive them. Don't be offended. Realize this. There's more going on here than what you're seeing in the natural. There's a spiritual assignment that's, that's given against you to try to get the word out of your heart. Try to keep the word from being productive in your life. 
I'm going to read on here because my goal is I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to hit this today. These are they which are sown among thorns, and they hear the word, and the cares of this world come in. Deceitfulness of riches, lusts of other things come in, and they choke the word. They keep it from becoming fruitful in your life. So here's the thing: the devil has a few arrows in his quill, and he pulls them out to try to keep you from being a success in life. He tries to keep the word from doing what it will naturally do when left in the ground. You know, Paul said this. He says, I planted Apollos water and God gave increase. He says, neither was I anything or Apollos anything, but it's God who gives increase. How did that word get planted? Well, it got planted because Paul came and he preached it. He shared the word. How did, how did it get watered? Well, Apollos... Different guy. Apollos is a totally different uh, style of teacher. You know, he was more of an eloquent, eloquent teacher we find in the Word. Paul was a bold, you know, just let them have it kind of guy from what I read. And But Paul came on. You know, there's different styles out there. Do you know that? I listen to different people in, in any given week. I, I've got a variety of people in my iTunes library that I pull up and I listen to. Sometimes I listen to people just, you know, because I, I listen to my pastor, Mark Thomas, out in California because he was a great influence in my life. I listen to this other guy in St. Louis because he kind of hits me right, you know. He speaks the word. He preaches the word. I listen to, you know, uh, Keith Hershey. It's people like people that feed me. Keep your faith fed. So Paul was different. Apollos was different. But they both had the same message. They had a message of the gospel. And when that message was heard the first time, it was like being planted, but then you hear it again and again and again. And what it does is it waters that word that was planted in your heart. You know, seeds just left to themselves without any watering. My experience is there's not much growth, not much, not much harvest in that kind of a thing. But you keep watering this stuff over and over and over, and the harvest is going to come. So... Cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, lusts of other things are what the devil will use to come in and get that word out of your heart. What are you and I going to do? We're going to stand. We're going to stand. We're going to keep standing on what we believed when we prayed. And we're going to stand through the, through the middle part. And we're going to stand until we see the answer. How long do you stand in life? How long does this stuff, how, do you, how long do you keep doing it? Well, you keep doing it till you win, okay? Whether that be a week, a month, a year, or 40 years, you stand until you have the answer. And, and uh, I'm going to go right to the end here. In Galatians, we'll just read this. It says, let's not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Hallelujah. There is a due season in our lives there's a due season and you know we've said this before but how long is a due season a due season is always longer than my flesh wants it to be okay but the thing is is there is a due season don't faint yeah. don't quit don't throw in the towel you know the harvest is assured as long as we can hold on to what god has said to us stand stand on that word stand on the promise that God's given to you. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.